Like you, you, you know, you can't just go out in the ocean and drift. Uh, you will end up somewhere, but it may not be where you want to go. And I think that's a good analogy for life is if you want to go to a particular destination, you've, you've got to set the course to get there. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, it's my pleasure to be joined by Don Fleming. And Don has literally been there and done that. And now she's living her best life. After working in real estate, in international law, and as a mentor to thousands of entrepreneurs, Don and her husband now own and operate Overseas Life Redesign, a global coaching and consulting company that encourages others to discover their dreams and turn them into reality, just like she did. She also hosts a podcast that shares success stories of international retirement, as well as advice for listeners seeking to leave their comfort zone and experience life abroad. Don, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. As I always do, can you talk a little bit just about your history, how you got where you are? Um, you probably didn't start out planning to live this wonderful life, but it's great that you've got it now. <laughs> no. Well, I had a plan for a different life back in my late 20s. I uh, moved from Minnesota to Southern California with my first husband, who was a doctor. And then uh, after being there for a few years, he surprised me with a divorce. So I uh, had to sort of reset. And in a moment of insanity, I decided to leave my real estate career and go to law school. And uh, I did, uh, did well as an attorney. I, I practiced for about seven years, landed a dream job uh, practicing international law, thought that was the path that I was going to be on. And then I decided that it just really was never going to live, allow me to live the life that I wanted to. I certainly wouldn't be living this lifestyle as an attorney. And uh, so I just, um, you know, decided that there were uh, other things that I could do. And I ended up in the network marketing industry for a couple of decades. I love that. It gave me the ability to coach and mentor and train entrepreneurs without worrying about charging them $300 an hour to do it. Um, the business model of the legal profession just wasn't good. So I really enjoyed that. And actually the first company I was with, I still get paid today. So I discovered this thing called residual income that was, has been fabulous. And I think once you've had that, like you never go back, you're right. And, and, and so we were uh, had decided uh, the 2008 crash happened. My uh, second husband, I, I met uh, about 10 years after my divorce. I, I kissed lots of frogs and finally found my prince. 
And uh, so we we got married in the British Virgin Islands. We I was number three for him. He was number two for me. We didn't want a big wedding or anything of that like of that nature. So we chartered a, a sailboat for uh, 16 days in the British Virgin Islands, traveled all around in paradise, and then uh, had a wake up call when we returned to Southern California and realized we were living in the concrete jungle <laughs> and. Uh, you know, we're like, what are we doing? This is, you know, and I just stayed there because I wasn't going back to the frozen tundra and he didn't really have anything keeping him there. So we just started a conversation. Well, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? And um, he liked the panhandle of Florida, the beautiful white sand beaches uh, up in Destin. And so we went there, I checked it out and um, I said, yeah, I could see this. So, but it took us until 2010 before we finally left, because like I said, the crash happened. He lost his business. I lost my business. Another one of those events out of left field that uh, just really kind of upset the apple cart. And, and we hung on for, for two years until finally 2010, you know, we said, we just got to go. We can't live our life according to real estate. We took off, sailed 5,000 miles, went to Florida, tried that out for six years, two in, in the panhandle and then four in South Florida. And just, it just wasn't our cup of tea. It just wasn't a good fit culturally for us. And uh, we were ready to buy something. I, I didn't want to buy a big house, oceanfront house with taxes and all that. I said, you know, if we're going to buy something, let's put money in our pocket. And so we came down to this little Caribbean islands, Isla Mujeres, that I've been coming to since the 1990s, early in 1990s. We'd looked at real estate many times while we had visited here and finally decided, you know, let's go ahead and buy an income producing property. And and so we did that, not really intending to move, but then after uh, coming down frequently with, with the house and everything in August, here is actually better than Florida. <laughs> it's You have nice sea breezes and cooler water. So we said, you know, we can live anywhere. Let's try it. We jumped on the sailboat and uh, came down, sold all of our belongings and, tr- and saw, thought, well, we'll try it. If it doesn't work out, we can always go somewhere else. And we just stayed and and here it is five years later, time flies when you're having fun. Wow, that's amazing. And as you say, if you don't like it, you can just hop on your sailboat and go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> that's great. So I was reading your book, there, Claim Your Dream Life. And as you know, um, planning for retirement or, or more correctly, for your life beyond retirement is something that's increasingly important for people. And in the first few pages of your book, you uh, you talk about the changes that have happened in the past hundred years, including the fact that we've basically been given another adult life added onto our life because of the increase in life expectancy. Um, it's a great gift, but it's got a huge price tag along with it. The cost of living's gone up. Uh, people are outliving any retirement income that they've got. It's harder to find a job that gives you a pension or to stay at one long enough to get a pension. So getting your dream life, I guess, is still possible, but there are some things that you have to do that have to happen. You have to do the work if you want to reap the rewards. So can you talk about the the questions that people should ask themselves, the things that they should be thinking about before they take the first step to to claim or to get their dream life? Well, the the one thing that I noticed, because I, I did workshops for a year uh, for folks and conducted this, you know, real time with people and, and got their feedback. And, you know, one thing I think um, 
needs to happen that I used to put uh, in the, the workshops and really say, you know, you got to know where you're at financially. And it's, it's, there's really a lack of financial education. I'm sure you're aware of that, yeah. um, particularly in the United States, but too many people just don't really know where they're at financially. They're, they don't really have a, you know, if, when you run a business, you know, you're used to doing a, a P&L and balance sheet, right? You know what your income is, you know what your expenses are, you know whether you made a profit at the end of the year. And, and it's too easy, I think, for us to just, money comes in, money goes out, and you don't really track it and all of that. And, and I think that's really the first part is, is really knowing where you're at. Don't be afraid to say, Ooh, maybe I'm living beyond my means and, and take a really hard look at what am I paying for every single month? What am I, what value am I getting out of it? So understanding where you're at and then uh, understanding where you want to go, right? I, I, I use the analogy in the book, like we used to sail to Catalina from, from LA. If we wanted to go to Catalina, we exit the harbor, we set a course and that's where we go. We don't set a course. We don't go to Catalina. We go maybe to the, on the rocks, maybe we go to Hawaii, maybe we go to Mexico. Like, you, you, you know, you can't just go out in the ocean and drift. Uh, you will end up somewhere, but it may not be where you want to go. And I think that's a good analogy for life is if you want to go to a particular destination, you've, you've got to set the course to get there. And so that's part of the hard work is what's your destination. And a lot, and that is both physical, but it's also uh, the mental, emotional, the, the sense of purpose. And that actually, uh, if you look at the studies, is more important than, you know, the, the geographic location, right? That's the easy part, picking a geographic location. Um, you can say, okay, well, I, I have limited resources, so I need to go in an inexpensive location. And so you look there. But, but more importantly, like, what are you actually going to do with yourself? How are you going to spend your days? Otherwise, it, you know, I, nobody has boredom on their bucket list. I doubt, <laughs> but that can happen very easily. I think, and that so when people come to you and and they say, "Okay, I want to, I want to go somewhere," and it's, "I want to go because I don't like it here." What do you What do you say to them? What do you tell them at that point? It's I well, just don't I, like and it I here. Do, yeah, I do address that and claim your dream life. You, you, it's okay to to be uh, running away from something like you know in Southern California, we were running away from the concrete jungle and the high cost of living and how crowded it were it was. But we were also running to something else. So, so you know, you have to. Uh, I talk about in claim your dream life. Wherever you go, there you are. So, yeah. if you're not happy where you're at, just strictly you know, changing geographic locations is unlikely to make you happy. So you, you really got to dig deep and say, okay, why am I not happy at my, in my physical location? And how do you help people, maybe decide is the wrong word, but how do you help people decide where it is they'd like to go? Um, obviously, you're not going to say, oh, you need to go to the Caribbean or you need to go to the mountains. You're going to let them decide that. But what kind of questions do you ask or do you tell people to think about? Yeah. And, and so, and I think, um, you know, the way that I was introduced to this whole idea, which a lot of people have is, you know, a subscription to International Living magazine. That's how it all started for me. Right. And it does for a lot of people. And it's a wonderful resource. And it really, you know, it's, it's filled with great stories. But at the same time, it's it is a, a bit of, um, 
you know, sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And um, they don't really get into the downside a whole lot. And, yeah. and you know, I understand why, I, you know, it's not very sexy to market that. But at the same <laughs> time, you, you know, I uh, actually go through in chapter three, um, there's a whole list, I believe there's like nine criteria in there. But things like, you know, what do you like to do? Do you like, do you want to enjoy the theater and, and nightlife and, you know, uh, activities? Or if that's the case, you're not going to be happy in a sleepy beach village, right? And, and so, and, you know, climate, what kind of climate? If, if you, you know, if you like the snow and mountains, you're not going to be happy on a Caribbean island. So there's, you know, there's a whole list of factors. Those are the externals, yeah. largely, right? That, that the outside things that you are looking at, but then, you know, the deeper work is the inside stuff in terms of what are you passionate about? What, you know, where do you want to spend your time and energy um, and talents? If you need to earn income, then that's a consideration as well. That's going to be more of an internal uh, factor than, just, uh, oh, well, there's a list of the top 10 places to retire, so you need to go there. Well, I don't think that's the best way to, to make that sort of a choice. So when you help people, when they come to your, uh, uh, to your website or, or come to you for help with their decisions, you're dealing with them more as who they are, not where they want to go? Is that... Well, it's both. It's both, um, uh, you know, because really the it's it's the internal that drives the external. Right. It's um, I the analogy I also like to use is when I was an attorney, I used to help new businesses get started. Right. And I would help uh, set up their corporations and their contracts and get everything in place for them to be able to to operate legally and and um, easily. And they used to be surprised. Sometimes I would say, well, what's your exit strategy? And they go, exit strategy? What do you mean exit strategy? I'm just starting this business. I said, precisely. And that's why we need to know what your exit strategy is. Are you building a legacy building business that you're planning on leaving to your children if they want it? Are you looking to build it up and sell it in a couple of years? Uh, do you have partners or other shareholders that are interested? Do you know what their exit strategy is? Do they want to cash out there? You know what I mean? And, and because if you don't do that, if you don't look at that end result, it's very difficult for you to make decisions on an ongoing basis. True. And I think the same is true. And it also, so it, it, it sort of becomes a yardstick um, measuring whether or not this fits into your plan. And um, I, as an example, I, when I left my first network, com, uh, network marketing company in California, I knew I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what it was. And I worked with a mentor and he helped me and uh, go through what I call the freedom formula in claim your dream life, which is basically making a list of your passions and skills and then lining them up to figure out what sort of work you want to do. And so I did that exercise. We left California. We sailed around. We got to Florida. I was fast and furiously working on a new business venture that was, you know, kind of my own thing, helping entrepreneurs. And out of the blue came a business opportunity with another network marketing, a startup that a lot of my friends from a previous company were going to. Well, I had my list of skills and passions that I had done, and that became my compass. So when this business opportunity came along, I could look at that and go, mm, does this new opportunity fit 
into what I've identified as my top skills and passions. And as a matter of fact, it did. Some of them are meeting new people, networking, speaking, coaching, training. Those are all at the top of my list. And so this new opportunity that had come along was doing all of those things that I had previously identified. So I just moved that other thing to the back burner. I said, I'll work on that later, maybe. And actually, I'm, a lot of the content that I created back then is, is, uh, has come into this business. So, you know, a lot of it's timeless, uh, especially business information. And so if you can do that, then, like I said, that really becomes your compass that you can, you can look at, at things that come your way. Because they will. Opportunities will come your way if you're out there and, and exploring and meeting new people and, and all that. So do you help people... Um make the transition to wherever their new location is. Uh, moving internationally is something that a lot of people are going to find very daunting. The uh, taking up a residency somewhere, getting uh, getting either temporary or permanent residency status, that, that kind of thing. Do you help them with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, um, you know, like I, w I don't work as a lawyer to do the, no. the immigration things and things like that. But of course, helping them locate uh, the resources to be able to do all of the things that need to be done. Absolutely. Um, and as I build out the uh, opax.com website, that will be become uh, uh, a major resource center for a lot of these ancillary services that I personally don't uh, get involved in. But um, at this stage of time, what I we're really focusing on is is helping people really understand um, the big, one of the biggest questions I get is where do I start? Like I have this idea, I have this dream and I don't even have a clue where to start. And that was really the reason I wrote Claim Your Dream Life was it is my workshop in published written form. So it is a, allows people to go through that process with guidance and there's lots of exercises in there and, and worksheets and all of that. And then the process going, okay, well, all right, now I have an idea of what I want. Now, how, what are the next steps? And, and really what I've found is, is there's kind of three phases to it, depending on, on where you're at in the process and how much time you have. If you're still working full-time in a job, then obviously you're not probably going to be able to take a year sabbatical, right, to go, go try a place to that extreme, but you can vacation with a purpose, yeah. right? And that means identifying locations that are possibilities Take a vacation there. Don't stay at a five-star resort, resort. Get an Airbnb in a local neighborhood. Talk to the locals. Try to find some uh, other expats that are there. Ask them questions. Interview. Figure out how much does it cost. Go grocery shopping. Do a lot of the things that you would do if you were living there as opposed to just vacationing, going, laying on the beach. The second one is the beta test. And I'm really excited. I haven't really told uh, too many people about this. Jackie, but that's actually the next iteration of the workshop is going to be a, a one day workshop, a free workshop on how to do a beta test. Like what do you, and there's no, there, you can't fail. That's the thing of beauty about a beta test. So that is where you take a longer period of time, maybe a month, six weeks, two months, if you can spare it to literally like go rent an apartment. Uh, most places are month to month. Uh, the, you know, it's not necessarily long-term leases. You can go and, and get an apartment for a month for probably what you would normally spend for a week vacation in a, in a vacation rental yep. and be able to live like a local, try it out. My friend Diane, she went and rented a car because she knew she wanted to have a car. And so where am I going to park? And, you know, all of the, the, the things like that. Um, 
so that and that again is really two pieces of it it's the externals figuring out okay where am i going to go to do this and then the internals what's important to me personally that i need to have there by in terms of community and culture and language and and all of these sorts of things and then finally is if you can do it the ultimate beta test actually I just interviewed a gal from my podcast who actually rented an apartment for a whole year wow she didn't move down just she was she knew she was going to be a snowbird or not a snowbird but really just uh wanted a vacation rental for income while she was getting ready for retirement but before she bought a place she rented an apartment what is it like to have property that i'm responsible for and then she could come down, uh, you know, uh, not far uh, from Atlanta, easy flight, you know, two hours uh, and you're, you're with a time change, it's an hour and, you know, basically in an hour and 40 minutes, you're on the beach almost two hours. And, and she would rent it out to friends and family when she couldn't come down. So she oh, was nice. trying out. So I thought, oh, I'm going to incorporate that into the beta test training. So what a great way, risk free to see what it's like to be a property owner, because the reality of it is down here in Mexico, you don't just call the landlord whenever anything breaks, like you're kind of expected to fix stuff on your own, like that's normal. And, and you sometimes will find that uh, you, you go overseas and, and the rules aren't always the same, you know, like they're not going to just send over the maintenance guy to fix stuff. You're going to have to find resources on your own. Um, so, so that that's also kind of leads into the next question. The the cultural differences, the adaptations that you have to make. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, do you have any stories about people who have had to adapt to different things or maybe yourself in, in moving to different places? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the bottom line is there will be culture shock. Like, I don't care who you are, right? You, you, that's just something that is to be expected. Um, no, you know, even, even here, I mean, I've traveled here many, many, many times, uh, over the last, you know, 30 years I've been coming to this little Island, but it's not the same as living here. Yeah. You know, it just, it just isn't. And until you get immersed into a place, you, you're, you don't even know what it's going to be. Right. So you just, you have to be ready, uh, you know, sort of the resiliency to understand that. Uh, and from my research, I didn't really see it too much, um, you know, and of course, I'm, I'm part of a couple. My, I have my husband and I, if you're single, maybe a little bit more, but some of the, certainly some of the single uh, gals um, and guys that I've talked to, somewhere around three to six months, there's a little bit of a, a dip, a little bit of a depression, I mean, you call it homesickness or, or something, where you start to question and you're like, did I do the right thing? You know, what was I thinking? And then it seems like by six, the month six, it's sort of passed. But, um, you know, to kind of know that going in that, you know, there might, you might go through that phase and where you're questioning and that's okay. It's normal and everybody's different. And I've learned that I uh, got certified uh, in a, a expat coaching program uh, last summer. And that was something uh, that I learned in that program is everybody adapts differently. Like nobody, no one's transition is identical. And, and so you can't really compare yourself to, to someone else. Like I've moved a bit, quite a bit in the United States first. So I became very skilled at learning 
uh, how to navigate a new place. How do you find doctors and dentists and chiropractors and hairdressers and veterinarians and all of these things? Uh, Chamber of Commerce, hint, um, <laughs> right? Those people are business people. They know who's good. They, and, and so it, they, you can find the same information if there's no Chamber of Commerce, but, but that's just a really easy way to do that. And it's also a great way to meet people. And, and you become adept, you, you really build that muscle of being able to um, establish new friendships and relationships. And, uh, and so it, it just gets better with practice, I think. And I guess uh, something that you always have to keep in mind is that any move that you make doesn't have to be forever. If you decide you don't like it, you can change. It's not that you fail, you've just moved on. <laughs> That's exactly right, Jackie. I'm glad you said that. Uh, one of my favorite things is, you know, we are not trees. We have no obligation to grow where we are planted. Um, we do have the ability to move. And in the beta testing, um, for sure, like I said, there's no, there's no um, right or wrong. The question is yes or no. Is it a fit or is it not a fit? That's all you're after is certainty about that. If it's not a fit, then you move on. Okay, this isn't the right place let's move on to the next place. And so that's the purpose of the beta test. It gives you an opportunity to test the waters before you take the big plunge. Yeah. And even if you go somewhere and you decide, um, yeah, like, like, like when we came down, oh no, we want to go somewhere else. It's okay. Uh, I talk about uh, the Goldilocks method in Claim Your Dream Life. My friend, Barbara Harris, you know, I mean, I think I lost count, but I mean, they moved like eight times <laughs> in within Mexico at first. They tried, you know, Puerto Morales, and then they tried Progresso, and then they said, oh, no, we're from BC, we miss the mountains, let's go over to from, uh, the other side, Puerto Vallarta, and, you know, different places before really finding, and I think they lived four or five different places in Puerto Vallarta before they finally settled into a place, but she did say she was a gypsy, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess with your, your beta test, or with your uh, vacation with a purpose, it'd be important to try different seasons, assuming that there are different seasons where you're thinking of going, because you might not, you might like the heat, but maybe not the bugs or, you know, something yes. like that. Good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even here, you know, it's uh, January is very different from August. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you mentioned your, your website, opats.com. Can you talk a little bit about how opats came about? Yeah, um, thank you for asking. So I had this uh, conversation with a, a business coach that I started working with last year, and I was explaining to him that I discovered that the word expat actually has a very um, negative connotation to, to it. And a lot of it, and I, there's a video uh, that explains it in detail, but basically, um, you know, what's the difference between an expat and an immigrant? Right. It's it's uh, and I found out the, the um, sort of the origin of expat. It was it was a diplomatic sta status. It was basically for corporate people who were working in a country for a specific length of time. Right. So it doesn't it doesn't really address uh, folks like us um, that have elected to leave their uh, home country for a, a, an open-ended period of time. Like there's not the intention to return after a, a set period of time. And so, and besides, who wants to be an ex anything, right? I mean, it just, it just doesn't sound good. And to expatriate means to actually give up your own citizenship, which yeah. is certainly not what we're doing. 
So the, uh, he said, actually, my, this gentleman I was talking about said, well, what about overseas pats, uh, overseas patriots, right? And I thought, oh, that is, some, and it, of course, resonated with my brand, the Overseas Life Redesign brand. And, and I said, he said, you know, that, see if that website, uh, if that domain is available. And uh, it wasn't, but I was able to purchase it um, at a good price. And so, uh, yeah, OPATs, we're, we're hoping that catches on. And, and it just, you know, we don't check who we are at the door when we leave our country, we move to a new country. Like, I am an American girl through and through, right? The values that were instilled in me uh, in my country, and I was a Girl Scout and all of that, and that's just not going to change. Right. But um, so I'm, I'm really an overseas patriot is what I am. And I, I think you could say the same about Canadians or, you know, we are who we are where we grew up. I mean, unless you grew up in multiple countries, which some people have done that as well, but um, it just seemed like it resonated a lot better than the word expat. I think it does too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And, and I think you're right at the start, you talked about um, an expat or an immigrant and people tend to look down on the term immigrant because it's, it's, you know, the connotation there is that you've, you know, you've left your country because you can't live there or, you know, something Before. like that. Yeah. And that's yeah. not, and, and that's not right either. It's not for right. anybody. I, that, that isn't the right, you know, it's interesting, the emotion that we put behind the words. Isn't it though? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I think, uh, I think I'll start using OPAT. I think I like that better. <laughs> Well, that sounds good. So do you have anything in particular that you'd like to uh, share with the audience before we wrap things up? Um, you know, you mentioned the life expectancy um, uh, early on, the statistics. And um, I think you're right there. It does present, it's a gift, but it does present that um, obligation to support ourselves and, and think about how we're going to live in that, you know, this lovely long life we've been, been granted. And, and I guess one of the things that um, I've come across is the research that shows how you consider aging. And, and I catch my husband, he, he'll, he'll say, I'm old. And I'll say, no, you're not. Right. And they, I have a mentor that says, we come here with a 120 year blueprint. And actually we've heard, at least I have recently, a lot of people living well over a hundred, right? Mm -hmm. That's one of the fastest growing demographics there is, is, is the, the centenarians. But even to the 150, and I read an article about a doctor in Japan that was 118, was still wow. practicing. That's crazy. I mean, not, you know, but, but it, that there's the, the tie between purpose, right. And longevity. Yeah. And so I think we need to redefine the whole idea of work and what that means. And the old, old whole idea of retiring in, and that, that whole redefinition of it, because, you know, retirement used to mean, of course, the end of work, but work is what oftentimes gives us purpose and meaning. So maybe we do different work. Exactly. But it also, they go so, they're so closely tied because they also solve the finance, it solves the financial problem and it also solves the purpose problem. And so if you can find that work that you love and, you know, a good friend in California, you say, you know, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. That's exactly. I was going to, just going to say that. Yeah. And then you're, you're not retired, but you're not working. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. 
So we've got a, a few different places that you can be found on all sorts of social media and your opats.com as well. But claimyourdreamlifebook.com will get them to where your book is. Yes. And all the major retailers, the links are there for, yep. for your favorite bookseller. I will make sure that all of that goes into the show notes. And then the other place is the podcast. I just published today, uh, episode number 75. Oh, excellent. Uh, which is pretty exciting. Yes. Of the Overseas Dream Life, excuse me, the um, Overseas Life Redesign podcast uh, is up. And that, uh, the, the, until the beginning of this year, was all interviews. So all kinds of folks from all walks of life that, you know, didn't just jump on a sailboat and sail 5,000 miles to move overseas. They, they did it different ways. And then uh, starting in January, I've, I've really uh, been doing it weekly and I've combined my weekly live show uh, to my, my private social media group with my podcast. Nice. So I'm doing the, the video on Mondays and then stripping out the audio and creating those as podcast episodes. So kind of a, a lot of my uh, wisdom and tips and, and strategies and tactics on uh, moving overseas. Fabulous. I'll make sure the links to that are in the uh, show notes as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Don. I've really appreciated it. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, my pleasure, Jackie. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. Are you ready to start rocking your retirement? Head on over to www.beyondretirement.ca forward slash rocking it and sign up to plan out your own roadmap for retirement. Don't wait till it's too late.